Hello, and thank you for joining us for the Hatchbend Apostolic Church web broadcast. In our society today, some, and yes, sadly, maybe even most, question the value of preaching in their lives. But we still believe what Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. In essence, Paul preached that God has chosen the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. And so that's why we still place such a high value on the preached word of God in agreement to the scripture. And so now I'd like to thank you again for joining us for a message from the pulpit of Hatchbend Apostolic Church. It's great to be in God's house this morning, isn't it? Feels good. We've been talking this quarter, this season, this lesson, so to speak, our series, God, Our Judge and King. And we're going to continue that today. We're going to actually wrap this up today and certainly not. We don't ever think that we're closing a subject. Uh, you know, God's word is, is boundless. It's for every season. So we're, we're trying to walk in the ways of God, learn his word. And then we take what we've learned and we apply that to our lives. Brother Everett began our lesson, our, our series, uh, talking to us about God bringing us victory and the experience of victory that we can have when we accept the call of God. Brother, Brother Rayleigh followed him and spoke to us about the strength of honesty, talked to us about Gideon's doubt, maybe his mistrust at sometimes in God's call. But that if we just fight through that doubt and fight through that trust, that we can experience victory in God. And then Brother Jerry Herndon last week so aptly talked to us about our need for God. We just simply cannot do anything without him, and we need him. And so this morning, as Brother Allen has already stated, we're going to talk about help to understand God's call. You can join me, if you will, in 1 Samuel chapter 10. We'll read verses 6 through 7. This is what we know about the Lord. We know that God will speak. He's always spoken from the very beginning, and he will provide confirmation in our lives for what he has spoken in our lives. But it's up to us to answer that call and to gain understanding of that call. 1 Samuel 10 Verse 6, and the spirit of the Lord will come upon thee, and thou shalt prophesy with them, and shalt be turned into another man. And let it be, when these signs are come unto thee, that thou do as occasion serve thee, for God is with thee. Aren't you thankful for words like that? God is with me. And so we're going to talk about understanding God's call. And how we are going to come to that. We might not have all the answers by the time we get done today. But hopefully we'll have a little bit better focus. I believe that God's call is universal. Let me explain. Everyone, especially under the sound of my voice, have a call of God on your life. This is not an arbitrary thing. You weren't called into the kingdom just to be in the kingdom. But you have a calling. That calling is universal. It's to everyone. However, each individual has a unique calling that is specific to them. 
we're all made of the same thing. We all come from the same thing. We're all made of flesh, but there are circumstances. There are personality differences. There's backgrounds and life experiences that all place us in very unique categories where one is inevitably contrasting or divergent to the next. We're not the same, yet we are the same. We're all created by God. We're all created according to his image, but we're, we're created uniquely. David said, I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. So God made me how I am. God made you how you are. Different characteristics, varying traits. And so our calling, though it's universal, is very unique to us. Ephesians 4 and 1 says that we should walk worthy of our calling. Notwithstanding, what if perhaps you don't know or maybe understand what that calling is or what it might be? I'm certain that we've all heard the testimonies of those who, who have recounted their call from God. Perhaps they recite the aha moment that they just realized that God was calling them. They understood it immediately and they began to attempt to walk in their calling. Then there are those that are, that are, that are somewhat uh, different in that. They, they, they receive the call of God perhaps through a series of calls. Maybe it took them a few minutes or maybe a few days or maybe even a few years to get all the words that the Lord was speaking to them. Maybe there's those here today that have, at least seemingly in your own mind, you think that maybe you haven't heard the call of God. Or maybe you have yet to answer the call of God. So whether you find yourself in that category or whether you find yourself in the former, the thing that is absolutely sure, there is absolutely no worry or wonder about this. The fact is, is that at some point, every single one of us, to the greatest, to the least, have all wrestled, wondered, and even questioned the call of God. In fact, more than likely, one of the most difficult assignments, I believe, that we could ever face is both in the finding and the understanding the call of God on our lives. And so such was the case of two men that we will discuss today, Samuel and Saul. Both of them were not sure what they should do. And both of them were quite surprised when they heard God's call but nevertheless, it was a call that would change their lives forever. Their stories show that we all, every single one of us, sometimes need help to understand the call of God. Samuel and Saul lived in a changing time in Israel's history. They, they were living in some very tumultuous days. It was the days of the judges when Israel was careening headlong into kingship, the violent days of the book of Judges is making its journey into the era of the kings. You see, that's what Israel asked for, a king. That's what they wanted, to be like all the other nations, to look like them, to act like them, to be governed like them in the same manner. Growing tired of their judges, judges ruling over them and and quite frankly, even the God of the universe leading and guiding them, 
they asked God to appoint a king over them. And he gave them, be careful what you ask for, because he gave them exactly what they asked for. God would call Samuel. God would call Samuel, who would be a king maker, a priest, and the last judge of Israel to anoint a new king. Now, perhaps Samuel had at least the feeling, we can probably kind of use our imagination in Scripture a little bit this morning without fear of, of you know, maybe misaligning. But perhaps Samuel felt like his calling was uh, mandatory. It was something that he didn't necessarily choose. You see, his mother, Hannah, had dedicated him to the Lord way before his birth. In fact, even before his conception. It was her inability to have children. So while she visited the temple at Shiloh, she prayed to God. And she vowed to the Lord that if he would give her a child, that she would dedicate him back to him all the days of his life. Now Eli, the priest, saw her. He marked her mouth, the Bible says. She was speaking, but she wasn't speaking out loud. And he thought that she was intoxicated or perhaps maybe not really all there. And so he chastised her. Now, now it is apparent that there are some that use the temple or the house of God, if you will, for uh, maybe not so uh, on the up and up, if we will, to lose, use some colloquial language here this morning. They they might not have the best interests of everyone at heart. And so, yes, there were some that would use the occasion to visit the temple to feast and drink and to have a great time. But Hannah was not there to feast and drink. Hannah was under the right circumstances. She was there for a purpose. She wasn't there to play games. And she was no ordinary temple goer. She told Eli the story. She told him of her inability to have children and that she petitioned God. And when he, he heard her words, the Bible says, he said to her in 1 Samuel 1 and 17, Go in peace, and the God of Israel grant thee thy petition that thou hast asked of him. What a powerful statement. That, that you have showed up here and you have prayed and God has confirmed the word and told you, I'm going to give you exactly what you asked for. Don't ask amiss. I said it again. I'll say it again. Don't, 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 don't ask for things that you are not prepared to take care of or prepared to walk through. But, but she was asking the right questions. She said, Lord, I need them man child and God through the minister through the ministry spoke to her heart and said I will give you exactly what you asked for it it solidified everything that she was seeking it solidified everything that she was searching after she no longer felt sad she no longer felt despondent she returned home later conceived and gave birth to a son and named him Samuel and she did exactly what she said she would do she took him to the temple, she dedicated him to the Lord, the Bible says, all the days of his life and committed him to temple life and to temple work. And so not only was it a powerful statement, not only was it a powerful confirmation that she prayed and God heard her and answered her cry, but she didn't just do what, she didn't just go and do what she wanted to in the, in the, in the afterward or the interim 
She did exactly what she told God she would do. And so if you ask something of God and he gives it to you, then we've got to make up our, our, our room for the bargain. We've got, to, we've got to bring ourselves to him and allow him to work through us. And so she took him to the temple. She dedicated him to the Lord. And she did exactly what she told God she would do. Now, I just need to pause here for a moment. This is probably not necessarily part of the lesson this morning. But I just want to I just want to re reiterate something here this morning. There is no better place and there is no better opportunity that our children would have than to be in the house of the Lord. I'm not promoting ignorance and I'm certainly not promoting isolation, but hear me out for a moment. While others make certain social events or sporting events or academic events or people meeting events available to their children to give them some sort of exposure, opportunity to meet the, the, and interact with celebrities or cultural icons or certain socialites, I'm here to tell you this morning that none of that, no, that pales in comparison to, the, to where we can bring our kids to the foot of the cross to the house of God. This is what can happen when we bring our children to the house of God. They can hear the voice of God. They might be in the annex this morning and they might be coloring on a piece of paper right now. They might be eating a cupcake, but hear me, they can hear the voice of God because we've brought them here and we have exposed them to the voice of God. They don't have to wait until they're 40 to figure this out, but they can hear his voice right here, right now, and today, and they can answer his call today. Samuel's call was facilitated. It was facilitated and eventually realized because he had help. First, because his mother exposed him to temple life. This exposure presented him the opportunity to hear God's voice. Because Samuel's mother promised the extraordinary, because she fulfilled her promise to God. Samuel was no ordinary child. He was not no ordinary child just playing on a playground somewhere because she dedicated him to the Lord. And 1 Samuel 3 shows us the aftermath. And the child Samuel ministered unto the Lord before Eli. And the word of the Lord was precious in those days. There was no open vision. And it came to pass at that time when Eli was laid down in his place and his eyes began to wax dim that he could not see. And ere the, amp the lamp of the Lord went out in the temple of the Lord where the ark of God was. And Samuel was laid down to sleep that the Lord called Samuel and he answered here am I and he ran unto Eli and said here am I thou callest me and he said I call not lay down again and he went and laid down two more times this would occur God would call Samuel would hear and he would go to Eli but the third time Eli realized what was going on the third time Eli realized this is not something ordinary this is God in 1 Samuel 3 and 9 he said unto him go lie down and it shall be if he call thee that thou shalt say speak Lord for thy servant heareth so Samuel went and lay down in his place the Lord would as he true to form would call again and at this time Samuel spoke back speak Lord for thy servant heareth 
a child heard the voice of God and the ministry facilitated his answer to the call and he said Lord speak for your servant heareth when Samuel answered the call that's when God began to speak to him he called him he answered the call and then God began to speak to him and reveal to him things that he would do in Israel a child from a moment in time God called Samuel to be a prophet in Israel. I want to drive this home. A child, not a 40 or a 50 or a 60-year-old man, but a young child because his mama said, I'm going to do what I told God. I'm going to dedicate him to the Lord. I'm going to bring him to the temple, and I want God to use him. And because of that, there was not one word that ever fell short that Samuel spoke. God used him mightily. First, because he had a praying mother. Second, because he had a discerning minister in his life. And third, because he answered the call. And so Samuel's story teaches us. It teaches us our need for help. Now, it's very hard for us to ask for help. We don't want help. My dad, he wants to help me with something. I don't want your help. You can fix my own lawnmower. We don't like we don't like to ask for help. Is it a pride thing? Perhaps. But Samuel's story teaches us that we need help. It's quiet, but it's true. We need help, hear me now, from the ministry. We need help from God's order, God's law, God's plan to find the plan for our lives. We need godly leadership in our lives we don't need youtube and we don't need instagram and tiktok and all the other things that that come about that that are just waves of fads that come with all these voices you can't believe everything you hear there and so i say let's don't even look there let's just look in the word and let's 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 line up everything we hear with the word and let's find god's plan for our lives we need godly leadership we need godly instruction in order to effectively carry out what God has called us to to do. And so I don't believe this statement that me and Jesus have our own thing going on. I don't believe that's true because that's not biblical, but here's what is. And he gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. That doesn't sound like to me that's a one-man show. It doesn't sound like to me that Jesus and you just got their own thing going on. No, this is this is a body, and we need each other in order to function. And so we must first seek the will of God and we must first hear the word of God and we must answer the call and then collectively we bring that together in one body to do what God has called us to do. We are part of a body. And so to decline, to attempt to get out of the will or the call of God would be a disservice to the body. Equally, to attempt to do anything on your own would be ineffective. It would be contrary to God's word. 
and it would be counter to all overall accomplishment, both individually and collectively. God was never, he never intended for us to be alone in all of this, not a, a, an island, a one-man show or a one-woman show. He made a body. And for you, me, or anyone else to, to at- attempt to shirk out of that authority and attempt to, to, to leave off what God has called us to do would be a disservice to the body. Can I tell somebody this morning, you belong here? You belong in the body? You are needed and you have a ministry. You have something to bring to the table and you have a place in the kingdom. I wish somebody would believe that this morning. Now we can nod our heads and we can say, yeah, okay, but then we can look in our back of our minds and say, yeah, but probably not me. I'm talking to every single person that can hear me speak right now. You have a place, you have a calling, and you have a ministry. We're all trying to listen for God's call, but sometimes it can be a little difficult to understand. And so first and foremost, prayer is the foundation. We must prayerfully consider the call of God, and then we must seek godly wisdom and counsel in order to realize the call and to confirm the call in the mouth of two or three witnesses. Let every word be established. God called me to Bangladesh, but if nobody else hears that, I might want to go back to listen again. So without doubt, being influenced by a prayer from mother, Samuel understood the importance of dedication and faithfulness. He was was exposed to it, but by itself, it wasn't sufficient. He was was exposed, he was brought to the house, but by itself, in and that of alone, in alone, was insufficient. He had never heard the voice of God before. That's apparent in Scripture. And so it's very, it's very easy to think that similarly those that are raised in church have some intimate knowledge and, and, and have spiritual matters maybe nailed down. But even, even those that are raised in church, even those that have been brought to the house of God at an early age still can struggle hearing the voice of the Lord. Contrary to that, others not necessarily raised in church may wonder if they've somehow missed some opportunity. Because they came maybe a little later to the game. While others who may have a mixed bag or experiences that mirror both of those scenarios combined. Perhaps you were raised in church. You walked away for a season and returned to God repentant and contrite. You may feel as if you forfeited the opportunity to hear from God. But I've got good news for somebody this morning. It doesn't matter what category you find yourself in. You can hear His voice today because he is going to speak and he will confirm his word. You have not missed out. You have not missed the boat because you're here and you're breathing air and you can walk on two feet and you can make your way to an altar and you can lift your hands and you can open your heart and your mind and God can speak to you. Whether you were raised in church or whether you were raised in a godly home with godly influences or whether you weren't, it is both very important for us all to seek the call of God and refrain, hear me now, from focusing on our inadequacies. Now you're looking at the chief one that needs to hear that. And I don't say that for sympathy. But we've got to hear his voice. 
We've got to seek his voice, and then we've got to stop focusing on what we lack. We should make time to talk with godly leaders and spiritual advisors to correctly respond to the call of God. Samuel served Israel as a faithful priest, a faithful prophet, and a judge. Possessing all the best characteristics of a leader, he was a prayerful man who had a relationship with God. He did not misuse his office. He did not misuse his ministry. And he was very capable to minister to the nation of Israel. But remember, Israel wanted a king. And superpowers were falling. As those superpowers were beginning to weakening around them, politically and practically, kingship, from a practical standpoint, from a political standpoint, from a humanistic way of looking at the situation, kingship was the answer. There were certainly issues that surrounded that, that that gave room for that kind of thinking. Samuel's sons didn't walk after their father. He didn't do. They didn't do as he did. They they accepted bribes, and they could they couldn't be trusted to follow in the office behind him. And so Israel demanded Samuel to go to God and appoint a king over them. The problem was that even though it was a practical solution, it was not the right spiritual solution for them. So be careful what we think in our humanistic way of thinking that may look right, it may sound right, it may taste right, it may feel right, may not be of God. And that is why we must seek godly leaders. I want to say that a thousand more times this morning. In the world, in the atmosphere that we live in, in the landscape of our society, there are so many voices that are speaking right now. We must seek godly wisdom in everything that we do. Samuel was told. God told him. Go anoint a king. 1 Samuel 8 and 7. And the Lord said unto Samuel, Hearken unto the voice of the people, in all that they say unto thee, for they have not rejected thee. They've not rejected you, Samuel. They've rejected me, that I should not reign over them. The Saul was called. Samuel encountered Saul while Saul was searching for his father's donkeys in a series of prophetic instruction. Samuel told Saul where to find them and they were right where they said they would be. Subsequently, Samuel provided him food and a place to stay and then took Saul to the outskirts of town where he privately anointed him to be king. To confirm his calling, Samuel gave Saul several signs that would occur all of which did occur. Then the Spirit of the Lord, as we read in 1 Samuel 10, came upon Saul just like it did upon Samson. But instead of receiving extraordinary strength, the Spirit of the Lord moved on Saul and caused him to prophesy. Seemingly in a moment, the Spirit changed Saul and made him into a different person. So much so that 1 Samuel 10 and 11, the Bible says, and it came to pass when all that knew him before time saw that, behold, he prophesied among the people. Then the people said one to another, What is this that has come upon the son of Kish? Is Saul also among the prophets? And so there's a lot of different avenues that we can take here today, but we're just going to stay on a narrow path, okay? I don't want to chase too many rabbits. 
it's apparent that Saul, that, that, that the Saul that they knew before had been changed. It's apparent that, that the Saul that they had all come to know and, and, to, and to perhaps love had changed into a completely different person. And so that teaches us this morning this. While, while we all bring something to the table, it is important to understand that we can do absolutely nothing of spiritual importance absent the Spirit of God. We can't do exactly what we're doing right now without the Spirit of God. Long before the sun came up this morning, I'm certain that there were men and women who, who, who went to their knees in prayer and said, God, we can't do this by ourselves. We need your Spirit. And so we need God's Spirit. No matter the gift, no matter the talent, no matter the ability, whether it's learned, acquired, imparted by the Lord Himself, we we must never rely upon our own ability to accomplish anything. I would go as further to say in this house or even outside of this house, on your job, in your family, we can't do anything aside and apart from the Spirit of God. It is His Spirit that makes us who we were truly meant to be. It is the Spirit of God, not man, that will accomplish the work, and in order for that to occur, we must allow ourselves to be open and receptive to the Spirit of God to move in and on our lives. We need God to make us into a new person. We need God to change us. Paul said, I die daily. I've got to die to this flesh every single day and allow God to move in me and make into me what I am supposed to do. Romans 6 instructs us to put off the old man or to put off the old nature. And then Galatians 3 and 7 speaks of baptism, both water and of spirit, which allows us to put on Christ. And so we are putting off the old man. We are casting that away and we are putting on own Jesus Christ, the new man. And so long before that New Testament era, long before the day of Pentecost as the Spirit was poured out on the 120 in the upper room, Saul experienced something very similar to that day. And once Saul became king, the, 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 the people just began to see him win battle after battle after battle, many battles. Perhaps they attributed it to his stature. Perhaps they attributed it to who he was or the, the way he looked or the way he carried himself, the way he governed. You know, they, they asked for a king and they got a king and now all of a sudden things are just going in the right direction, but not for long. He was a noble king. He was a noble stature. He looked apart. He was head and shoulders above the rest outwardly, but inwardly. At least in the early years, it was not necessarily the case. In the early part of his calling to kingship, he recognized the need for the Spirit of God. Now we could go on and talk about his downfall, but we're not going to talk about that so much today. But we're going to talk about his need. In the, in, the, in, the, in the beginning, as the Spirit of God moved upon him, Saul understood that I cannot do this on my own. I cannot do this without the Spirit of God. And perhaps that is what led to his reluctance to even accept the call. Such is the case with many. Am I the only one? It's the case with many, and we see it throughout Scripture. We see, we see 
various calls to action. We see a reluctance. Sometimes we even see an argument ensue. You ever argue with God? Don't answer that. Moses argued, I can't speak. I'm slow of speech. I have tongue-tied. Jonah disobeyed God altogether and went in the opposite direction. Jeremiah disqualified himself in the beginning and said, I'm just a child. I, I can't do this on my own. But here's what God said to Moses. You can't speak. You didn't think I knew that? Well, I'll just make Aaron your spokesperson. Problem solved. He let Jonah sit in the belly of a whale for three days. Issue resolved. And he told Jeremiah, don't ever say that again. Don't ever let it come out of your mouth again that I'm just a youth because I've called you and I have equipped you and I, have, I will sustain you. Because here's the facts Moses here's the facts Jeremiah here's the facts Jonah it's not about you anyway it's about the kingdom it's about fulfilling the command of God and I don't want to hurt your feelings this morning but the call on your life is not for you anyway it's for your neighbor it's for your co-worker it's for your sons and your daughters it's for the body of Christ it's not for you and it's not about you it's not about me, but it's about his kingdom. It is about his kingdom. Saul expressed a similar reluctance when God called him. Though Samuel privately anointed Saul earlier, Saul later had a public coronation as the Lord demonstrated to the people that Saul would be king. But at first, no one could find Saul. The Bible says that he was hiding among the stuff. Now, I don't want to be flippant this morning. I don't want to be too cavalier about this. This has a lot of implications that we could chase some more rabbits. According to my father here, I only have, what, eight minutes? I'm joking. <laughs> I have to stop at 1045. <laughs> this has a lot of implications, certainly more than we can discover today. But simply put, Saul was just hiding. He was just hiding. God called him. He was, he was to be king. He was to be anointed. But he, he was hiding, most certainly because inwardly he recognized his own inadequacies. But in the most direct application, he was attempting to escape or to avoid the public proclamation. Without doubt here this morning, we are all inadequate. There is no argument there. No one person has it all together. No one person outside of the person, the man Christ Jesus will ever have it all together this side of eternity. But there is one thing that remains in spite of the inadequacy in spite of all that lacks in comparison to the call of God. There is no more miserable estate to achieve than that in a Attempting to try to escape the call of God. Saul, just by practical implication, was head and shoulders above the rest. He couldn't hide. He couldn't hide if he tried to hide. He wasn't hiding because the people said, where is Saul? And the Lord said, he's hiding. Saul, you're not hiding from the... 
plan of God. You're not hiding. You, you think you're hiding, but you're not hiding. God knows where you are, and God knows where you've come from. I want to say that this morning to somebody. God knows where you are right now. You're not hiding if you're attempting to hide. He knows where you are. He knows you're down-sitting. He knows you're uprising. He knows your past. He knows your future. And we may all feel inadequate, but we are in good company. Like Saul and Moses and Jeremiah and many others, we are all inadequate, but God has called us nevertheless. Brother Allen's already said it. We're on the winning team. We're in the fourth quarter. And God called us for such a time as this. He didn't call us in 1950. He didn't call us in 1920. He called us in 2020, 2021, 2023. And he wants us to be on his end time team. But we must be humility. We must have humility. We must display humility. There is nothing wrong with knowing your inadequacies, but we cannot let hiding into the equation. It's something to remember. In Scripture, humility and exaltation are closely tied together. 1 Peter 5 and 6 says, Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, that He may exalt you in due time. A powerful Scripture. A powerful revelation. Many people believe that humility is not the path to promotion. In fact, in our corporate society, it's apparently not true in the mindsets of the natural world. Humility is a spiritual requirement, however, in the kingdom of God. We must have humility to focus on our advancing God's kingdom and not our own. But we can't allow that to manifest itself into reluctance or ignorance of the call. But instead, we should seek the help of God. We should seek the help of the ministry. And we should seek to understand God's call upon our lives. There's nothing wrong with asking for help. There's nothing wrong with going to the ministry. There's nothing wrong with being here this morning and listening to preaching and listening to the Word of God. It's here where you can find the will of God and you can hear the voice of God. The basketball coach at a small but successful college prepared for his day. He had more than a five o'clock shadow in the morning, so he started shaving to make himself more presentable. He sprayed out the shaving cream, lathered up, and after a few minutes and a few swipes of his growing beard with his razor, he heard his wife's voice from downstairs that there was a phone call for him. Since the story occurred in the days before cell phones, the coach needed to make his way downstairs and answer the landline tethered to the wall, wondering if he would or even should bother with the call. He asked his wife, who is it? As he continued shaving, she replied, honey, it's Sports Illustrated. The surprising answer shocked the coach, causing him to cut himself. This was it. This was his big moment. He had worked so hard to improve his team. And even though other people would not give his program the time of day, one of the best sporting magazines on the planet recognized his coaching genius. Wiping the blood from his cut face, he ran and sprinted downstairs, ran into the wall. He rounded the corner and grabbed the handrail. Speed and exuberance nearly caused him to slide down the stairs, but the rail saved him. 
He busted around the corner, hit his knee on the table. Grabbing his throbbing leg, he continued hopping toward the phone. He grabbed it and said, hello, Sports Illustrated. And on the other line, a cheerful voice replied, that's right. And for only a small monthly subscription rate, you can enjoy the very best Sports Illustrated has to offer. The dejected coach hung his head, hung up the phone and slumped down next to the wall. It was not the call that he was hoping for. Perhaps, if you'll stand with me this morning, it'll give us some hope. Perhaps we found ourselves in similar circumstances. Hoping for a call, waiting for a call, anticipating a call. Maybe we've heard the call and just reluctant to answer it. Or perhaps we've not heard the call and we're wondering if it will ever come. No matter the category that we find ourselves in today, there are two things that we must understand. And I say this without, without question, and I don't apologize. That is this. God will call. He will speak to you. He will call, and His call is without repentance. He will not change His mind. He will call. He will reach out. The only variable is me. That's it. God will speak. He will speak to you from here. He will speak to you from here. He will put people in your life that will speak and confirm the word, but it's up to us to hear it. It's up to us to, to avail ourselves to it. And hear me now, when the call comes, it may not be the call that we're expecting, even though we must focus on what God expects from us. We can read the wondrous works of Samuel as he worked as a prophet and a minister in Israel. But we may sometimes forget that he probably had to do a few menial chores in the temple before he heard the voice of God. Though Saul would win many battles as king, his road to the throne, remember, began with a search for donkeys. And so we've got to start somewhere. You've got to start somewhere. And so I just say today... Why don't we just start right now? Right? Why don't we just start right here? Why don't we just lean in and listen for the call and let's seek God's will for our lives. And when we hear it today, let's do it with enthusiasm and let's let our hearts be with joy and let's let our minds be fixed on God and then we can watch Him do what He does. He will do extraordinary works through us. They that do know their God will do exploits. And so all we've got to do is avail ourselves. Why don't you do that now? Why don't you just lift your hands and lift your voice? And for a moment, let's just ask God to speak. Lord, I'm asking you to confirm your word. I'm asking you to forever settle it in our hearts. God, that you have called us for such a time as this. Help us, Lord, to hear. Help us to understand. Help us to then answer and then carry out what you 
you've called us to do, Lord, to the best of our ability, and then watch your work and your power do exceedingly and abundantly above all that we could ever ask or think. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. Why don't you clap your hands one more time? This message has been brought to you today by the media ministry of Hatchbend Apostolic Church. We pray that it's ministered to you in some way, and we'd like to take this opportunity to invite you to join us in service here at Hatchbend Apostolic. Our Sunday services begin at 10 a.m. and our Wednesday night service at 7.30 p.m. For any more information or to speak with our ministry staff, please feel free to call our church office at 386-935-2806 or you can visit the contact link here on our website. Again, thank you for listening and we pray God's richest blessings on you and your family.